0: let see what the prep we Okay, everybody, get ready. This is coming to a grocery store near you. The United Kingdom's largest retailers have combined to impose national purchasing restrictions on fresh vegetables and fresh fruit. They say this is due to extreme weather events and events outside of their control, hitting harvests abroad. They say high energy prices are making it so that there are more than ever people shutting down in the growing of food. The largest chains are now acting in coordination. They are beginning to place purchasing limits on common fresh fruits and vegetables. These are items like tomatoes, things like your potatoes, peppers, cucumbers, strawberries, oranges, bananas, you name it. They may have already started to see shortages of some of the items in American grocery stores. You may have already started to see these shortages across the country. Maybe things like potatoes or items like Oreida. Are hard to come by. The Secretary of DEFRA, this is Therese Coffey, she has warned that the United Kingdom's Parliament must be ready. She anticipates this situation will will last for weeks to come, but she says this is temporary. Now, I know that this might be temporary, just like the Federal Reserve said that your inflation is transitory. And here we are still looking at it. It's important that we try to make sure that we get alternative sourcing options, she says. The British Retail Consortium has also said that the shortages are expected to last weeks and weeks. This is until the UK growing season gets well underway. We might be looking at three to six months here. They say the impact of high energy prices are hitting glasshouse productions across the entire world. That labor prices and wages are increasing, making people who are growing food uh, say that it's not worth it. Number. Growers are closing up shop. To to the NFU's it's deputy president, black. that's Tom Bradshaw, said that governments this need to take command of food production and amid global volatility. Well, now, I want you to listen to that. that story and then remember I like, bitch. that Bill check Gates Ohio records, yeah. of Microsoft yeah. became the largest private food production landowner in America, they know that the future of wealth is in being uh, able to feed the people. So that should scare you a little bit into getting ready, should give you at least concern into being ready to grow your own food in one form or another. If your onions uh, start to sprout, put them in the ground. Your garlic sprouts, put them in the ground. Do whatever you can, because every little bit matters. Even if you can just grow one tomato, that's one less tomato you have to buy from the store. When speaking to Times Radio, we had a president of one of these outlets say, as we, the country, reposition ourselves in the world, we've left a trading block in the EU where we've had very good trading relationships. And they say the country has had to look further into the international realm. We see geopolitics and the war in Ukraine, he says, of being a tragic example. These events have huge impacts, and I don't think that unrest is likely to go away in the near future. Look at this. They're telling you right here what the future holds for you. World war, civil unrest, disobedience, uh, growing production organizations, closing shop. He says we seem to live in a very volatile world. This country alone has 70 million people or this region living on an island. And now he says the government has to take responsibility for how we are going to feed 70 million people. Let me tell you, there are few things that will make a people riot quicker than having a loss of access to food and fuel. That is if they can't keep their electricity running, and they can't keep Uh. the amount of food that they are used to coming into their homes. You have to get ready for unrest. We have SNAP or uh, supplemental nutrition across the USA welfare programs Mm. drying up. They're getting ready uh, to lose the same amount of food that people have had access to or been used to for the last two years. A lot of people are going to be upset about this because now they're going to have to tell their children sorry you can't get that westland farms a family-run business said that shortages are a result of supermarkets unfairly blocking suppliers from passing on inflationary costs basically you need to pay more than you are right now they said the supermarket chains can do this because of unfair market shares many of suppliers have nowhere else to sell westland's farm shop director graham colette Basically, is coming out and saying that you're either going to start paying more for your fruits and veg, or you're not going to have it at all. It's interesting that these stores are full, because they allowed to, uh, prices to reflect increased costs and enabled suppliers to stay in business. Now, Professor Michael Winter, an agricultural expert at the University of Exeter, he added that these shortages are a result of underinvestments in horticulture. He said. These underinvestments over many decades are basically allowing us to come into the crisis where we are today. Given the need for greater consumption of fruit and salad crops to ensure healthy diets, the current shortage is not good news, he warns. We have become used to depending on overseas imports. We are now facing global challenges, climate and weather events, energy crisis, Now it's time to incentivize local production for local markets. There you have it, folks. We have government officials, people learned, educational leaders, telling the world's governments that we need to take control and reduce globalization. Now, sure, you might not get your strawberries out of season. Your watermelons at now, what, $8, $12 a watermelon out of season? That's just too bad. You'll at least have food to fill the stomachs of your children. We need to reduce globalization and return to knowing where our food is grown. That way if people are getting sick because of pesticides and poisons, you can point your finger right at the person doing it and say no. That's what we need. Not these mega corporations and conglomerates controlling the food that is getting into the stomachs of our children diseases running rampant people are getting sick with cancer and all sorts of things because we're allowing them to spray poison why just so they can get a larger yield But some official is going to say no you need to burn that or we are going to have a uh, uh cooperative come out and say we're not getting enough money for these cauliflower well we'll just give them to the pigs now instead if it's grown locally you can point your finger and say no Things are now getting so bad in America that according to Moody's analytics, Americans are at this moment in time spending 30% of their income on their rent. Some states, including New York, have a rent-to-income ratio that's as high as 68.5%. Economic watchers say that in over 20 years, the national average rent-to-income ratio has reached its highest number ever. This means that a lot of our normal U.S. citizens' income, 30% of it is going directly to rent. Then you have another 30 to 60 on other normal goods. Places like New York City, I've seen their rent increase by 20% in October. The average rent in one region went from $2,800 in February to almost $4,000 in August. This was compared to 12% national averages during that same time period by looking over this data we can see that the RTI or rent to income ratio is up by two percent in the fourth quarter of 2022 saw a growth rate keep constant throughout the third and fourth quarters and an increase in mortgage rates have made it harder for renters to transition into buyers what they have done here is a masterful plan they sent in international money through hedge funds Somebody said, look, I can sell my $200,000 house for $450,000. So they did it. They put it on the market, and just with a snap of the fingers, it was purchased. Now they can't afford to buy a new home because that four won't get them into the same home they had before. So the person had to make an individual decision. Do I downsize and live with less? Do I make do with less? Do I live more frugally? Or do I rent? to try to keep my same station of living. Well, here in America, it's completely shunned and looked down upon if you make do with less. You're not driving that expensive car, you're a loser. You went down from living in a a block and mortar into a mobile home, you loser. You're looked down and shunned for anything that is less, even if it's more sustainable. So a lot of people have been forced into becoming renters And even the housing markets in mobile homes, manufactured homes, uh, lesser uh, areas, those went crazily through the roofs. The hedge funds made a bet, and that bet was that you were going to be renting the rest of your life, and that bet is paying off for them. The reports show plainly that rent surges happened as demand increased and made it harder for renters to afford rent, even for their incomes. From 2020 to 2021, the average rent shot up by 20 percent. Median income only went up by 6 percent. Areas across the USA saw the largest RTI percentages at 70 percent, meaning an average person's income. 70 percent went straight to rent. Even places like Florida, areas followed closely behind at 40 percent. In January, a report revealed that San Francisco commercial real estate vacancies went up 30 percent. This was after they increasingly increased their rent over 12 quarters. This meant less commercial space was being rented with the largest annual pump uh, jump in the fourth quarter in 2020 at 16.9% compared to uh, the fourth quarter of 2019 at 3.7%. What we've seen happen here is the beginning tumbling stages of this financial crisis. You have a point in time right now where we're starting to see the not the causes but the effects look at your grocery bill ridiculous look at your electricity bill astronomical look at the amount of people that are becoming homeless you know kelly and i we will drive around and doing our normal chores as part of our chores and preps and having fun and during that time we will see the newly houseless and what i mean by that is people who it is obvious They're just now on the streets. These aren't people that are living on the streets because you can tell they're still wearing their, I'm just new to being houseless clothes. Still, their bags are new and higher quality. They are not disheveled in any way. It's obvious that this is a new life for them. This is absolutely disastrous, but it's what they have allowed to happen. Remember, they made it illegal to be homeless. They made it illegal to live in your car. They made it illegal not to have an address, a permanent address. Why? Because they want every last drop of your blood and every last ability for you to work. Now we're starting to see the effect and people are going to soon demand change. They say that despite a drop in real estate occupancy, the subleasing reports increased. This meant that big tech companies aren't leaving. They're just downsizing. Now we're going to start to see a real change in the future. As the world gets ready for war, reports that are being confirmed through uh, through the U.S. military show that a U.S. nuclear-powered submarine is arriving in Busan. In what is being seen as an apparent show of force and a warning to China and a warning to North Korea, the 6,000-ton Los Angeles-class fast-attack submarine, the USS Springfield, docked in the naval base city of the uh, southern port city of Busan for what they're calling a scheduled port visit. Social media posts didn't reveal the timing of the arrival, but it's being noted this is a direct confrontation to China. The U.S. Pacific Fleet disclosed the photos of the vessel hanging the national flags of its allies on the walls of the common tower and crew members of the South Korean Navy welcomed the arrival. The rare disclosure of the submarine's deployment to the South appears intended to show a signal. A stern warning to China and one to North Korea. Do not provoke a free and open Indo-Pacific. Now, North Korea is strongly condemning this. They're protesting the U.S. deployment of strategic assets in the Korean Peninsula, saying that this is about to go nuclear. Moving forward, the Russian ambassador to China is warning that the U.S. must back off. So that if U.S. and German tanks try to work to seize Russian constitutional territory, areas like Crimea, that severe retaliatory action will follow. The Russian ambassador to China, Igor Morgulov, told reporting outlets in an exclusive interview when talking about Western countries, new plan to send in tanks to ukraine that this is going to end up badly just how badly it ends is anyone's guess german tanks have already appeared on russian soil he says i hope berlin does not forget how things ended up i firmly believe he warns that this time our people the russians will stand the test he said that if the weapons including tanks provided by washington and nato countries are used to seize Russia's constitutional territory or using sub-caliber armor-piercing projectiles with uranium cores, Russia will, right at the right at the beginning, take severe retaliatory action. This will have severe consequences for the West. Morgelov warned the West through the outlet, the Global Times, that the decision by the USA, by NATO countries, and by Germany to supply Ukraine with these tanks is a further escalation of the Ukrainian crisis by the West. And he says it's becoming irrefutable that there is evidence of a direct involvement and manipulation by America in this war. The supply of tanks showed that Washington has no bottom lines, he says. If Washington and NATO countries provide Ukraine with these weapons, including tanks to strike deep within territory that is owned by Russia in an attempt to seize, Russian constitutional territory it's going to force Russia to act quickly. There you have it straight from the word uh, straight from the mouths of Russia. This world war is going hot. Please get ready to the best of your ability. Know that we are in this economic crisis together. We're in this world war together. It is not you and me versus the Russians. It's not you and me versus the Ukrainians. It's not the Ukrainians versus you and me. There are innocent people that are being harmed their entire life being uprooted. We're having refugees made every day and tomorrow that refugee could be you. And then people in other countries that aren't being focused on this, they'll say, well, it's not me. We need to stop thinking like that. We need to know that we are the pawns. And instead of being moved on the board of war, We need to move ourselves, and we need to get ready in every way that we can. Be prepared so that when war comes to you, you're ready or you're not there. From my family to you and yours, please stay safe, remain vigilant, and keep watch. This week's Full Spectrum News is brought to us by you, by all of our members on Patreon. Check out contingencymedical.com and use the code FSS10 for a discount on real antibiotics. So that if a time comes when you call the doctor and they say we don't have that you already have it in your closet make sure you check out nutrientsurvival.com forward slash fss for real long-term food storage
1: Tariq, it's like, Tariq, 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 I don't know why Tariq lives rent free in my head.
2: Boochie, do you see Tariq in the room with us right now? Yes,
1: I do, Doc. He's standing right there next to you, and he's standing there with all this cash.
2: Well, Bucci, do you think you're having these reoccurring fantasies about Tariq? Because you're possibly jealous that he's tall, handsome, and respected, and you are short, stubby, unsightly, and built like a middle-aged stripper with a botched BBL.
1: Ouch, Doc! You really went for the jugular right there. Oh, excuse me. I gotta take this call. Hello?
2: Hello, Bucci. It's Agent Mayo. Need you to come down to the FBI headquarters right now.
1: That might be kinda hard right now, Bob. Because my car's in the shop right now.
2: Well get your wide ass in an Uber and get up here pronto, buddy. Hey, it's you again. You're that bear. I
1: remember you, you day You hit me with your car.
2: But it was all your fault. You were the one who had his big ass in the middle of the street like a don't truck.
1: Well, you should have been watching where you were going. Besides, we both agreed not to file a police report.
2: The only reason I agree not to file a report is because I already have a number of accidents on my record. Another one would have my Uber treats license revoked, so you owe me big time, nigga. What kind of favor do you need from me, yesterday? Well, I got caught running a credit repair scam, and now my green card is about to get revoked. So I need to find um, an Akata celebrity who could possibly help me and get the messaging out. You know, someone like uh, Oprah Winfrey, or Keith Sweat, uh, or Cisco, Jermaine Jackson, someone like that. Or I need to find someone to marry me so I can stay in the States. Well,
1: I'm not a matchmaker, but... I'll see what I can do. Hey, Bob, I found a
2: way to get up here as quickly as possible. Well, Bucci, because it's taken so long for you to effectively sabotage the Black History Museum on your own, we're going to assign you to a backup team. Who's the backup team, Bob? Ba? Well, let me show you, Bucci. Let me introduce you to someone, Moochie. This here is Agent Peter Tot Bay. He's a Frankenstein type of creation that the scientists at the agency cobbled together using scrap body parts. Wow. As you can see, he has the head of a prehistoric Neanderthal, the brain of a dusty babbling pervert from Baltimore, and the body of a diabetic South African pygmy and he's been programmed to do our bidding at will. You know how I do. (laughs) And over here, we have another one of our creations called Munchie X. Oh goodness, what's the deal with her, Bob? Well, Munchie X is half human and she's half robot that our scientists put together after a freak accident. Munchie was on the 28th floor of her Section 8 housing project, high rise She was cooking crack when she accidentally left the gas on and the stove blew up. The blast ejected her out of a window and she plummeted 28 stories down to the ground. Miraculously, she survived, but her badly built body was left in even worse shape. Some of our assets from the housing authority wanted to keep this incident low key, so they collected her body and brought her to a secret experimental site that we run with the CIA. We knew if someone could survive a fall like that with the proper adjustments, that person could be a great asset for the agency. So what
1: happened at the secret CIA site?
2: Well, our doctors operated on her, and they replaced her broken limbs with robotic devices. And then they gave her the brain and the vocabulary of a kleptomaniac from the 70s. In other words... We made the first bionic hoodwrap.
1: Wow, that's
2: unbelievable. What kind of powers does she have? Our bionic agent, Munchie X, she has super hoodrat strength. She can lift a Nissan Altima with one hand, she can chop an entire block of government cheese with one single swipe. She's <laughs> able to leap over weed dispensaries in a single bound. She can carry three tons of hair weave bundles and run out of a beauty supply store in three seconds flat. <laughs> she even has x-ray vision that gives her the ability to see the balance on an EBT card without even swiping it. You better believe it, Jab sucker! So what do you want me to do with these two, Bob? Well, I'm going to assign them to help you go and sabotage the Black History Museum. Since you seem to be having so much trouble doing it on your own. So what's the assignment, Bob? Well, there's a recording studio next door to the museum. I need you to go in there with Tater Tot and Munchie X. What
1: are we going to do
2: at the recording studio, Bob? Well, our two humanoid agents, Tater Tot and Munchie X, they're also rappers. So we formed a rap group for them called A Tribe Called Plebiscite. They're going to go to the studio under the guise of recording a song but you're going to accompany them as part of their entourage. Now, once in the studio, you will then throw a Molotov cocktail at the museum next door. Got it, though And again, Booty, don't mess this up.
1: I won't, though. I'm on a juice diet, and I'm more focused than ever. Tater tot, Munchie, let's roll. Let's lit the scene, chumps. The
3: reason why we are getting such a low voter turnout is because of these stubborn Black men. What these dusty Black men need to do is fall in line with Zaddy and do what they are told. Anyway, we're gonna go to a commercial. And when we come back, we're going to discuss why Black men love hating on our Black girl magic. We'll be right back on the Tanya Law Show. Um, Tanya,
2: I um, I have some bad news for you. What's going on, Bob? Well, the network decided not to renew your contract, and you are terminated immediately. What? what? Yeah, Tanya, the network is also repossessing your condo and your company car, so you have one week to vacate the premises, and you have to leave here in an Uber. But, 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 but why? Well, I can't really explain it, but you gotta go. Um, Security... Hey, hey, you call an Uber? Hey, why is a pretty lady like you looking so sad? I just got fired from my job today. And I don't know why. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, well, my name is Yatunde. And if you need any money or assistance, maybe I can assist you. How are you going to assist me And your ass is driving an Uber? Hey, hey, watch your mouth, the girl. Watch your mouth. I'm trying to help you with your unemployed ass. How are you going to help me? Well, I save $5,000 driving for Uber and working a night shift as a janitor in a recording studio. I need someone to marry me temporarily so I can get citizenship. The government wants to deport me because I caught a case selling bullet hidden college DVDs. But if I marry an American girl, I can stay. I don't know about that. It is a good deal. You need something, I need something, it is a business deal. Plus, it's only temporary. We get married on paper, I give you the $5,000, I give my green card. After a few months, we part ways, then you can find another nigga. Well, I don't know. I'll I'll think about it. Well, here's my card. Think about it and reach out to me, because other guys might want to take this offer soon. I am a very wealthy man back home. Other
3: if guys, you are like so welcome back
2: home, why are you over here dusty and struggling? Hey, hey, hey watch your mouth, catty girl. Watch your mouth. I must pretend to be poor so I don't get kidnapped and robbed by dusty niggas. Okay. I will call you later. <laughs> Now, Charlie Ray, when I pull this Coca-Cola on the battery and hit the alternator three times with the screwdriver, you turn that key over and try to start it here. Okay, Persella. See there? I told you that's all you needed. I just need a little muddy, Charlie Ray. Thanks, Persella. I sure appreciate you, having me. Oh, hey, is that Tanya Loss over there? Hey, Percero, how
3: have you been?
2: Oh, I was out here just taking it one day at a time. You know, it's been a while since I seen you. Last time I seen you was about two years ago. That was at the NAACP Buffalo Way Brunch.
3: That's right, I remember.
2: Well, what's going on with you, baby? You don't look too happy right now.
3: Well, Percero. I just lost my job today, and my car was repossessed. Now I'm about to get evicted soon. Oh Lord, that is terrible. What you gonna do, baby? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know. I'm in a bind, Percy Earl.
2: Well, Percy Earl can help you get about out that bind, baby. I sure enough can help you do that.
3: For real? So? What I gotta do, Percero? Oh well, uh, um,
2: you know. You one hand washes the other, as they say, you wash my back, I wash your if you get to my drift. Um,
3: I don't
2: know, Percero. Well, look at him. Why don't you just go and get in the car and ride on down here to the pharmacy with me so I can pick up my blood pressure prescription. And while I'm down there, we can pick up some Viagra and some Hennessy. Then we can discuss how we can make your financial situation a little better. Understand me? Wait,
3: I just got a text message from a publicist saying that Beyonce is in town and she's at the recording studio close by right now. I've been trying to secure an interview with Beyonce for months. If I go down to the studio and secure the interview, I can get back on another TV network. Percy Earl, you have to take me to the studio right
2: now. Oh, well, we can do that. We can certainly do that. But you gotta understand afterwards, we have to swing by the credit union so I can get that little piece of money for you so we can take care of your little situation. You got to make Pappy happy. <laughs> I'm a talentless, scandalous, website oh, family. Can't nobody stand me, I beat up on my own family. I'm a registered offender, a registered offender, a registered offender. That's right. You know it's true. Come on. I'm a registered offender, a registered offender, a registered offender. offender. Jack turkey? You know how I do. Hey, guys, we gotta get ready to carry out our missions and target the (laughs) museum. I've been ready for a while, but Munchie X won't stop eating all the food long enough to focus.
3: Don't worry about me, jaw sucker. Your KFC fucking head ass is the one that needs to be focused, chump.
1: Well, there's a button on her waist trainer that'll make her bad built bionic body disintegrate the food. Oh no, there seems to be some type of malfunction. I need to bring this issue up with my FBI chief
2: tomorrow. Hey, what are you niggas doing here? The real question is, what are you doing here? I work here, and I'm on my lunch break right now, and I'm trying to eat my jollof in peace. Jollof?
3: That sounds out of sight. Let me taste some of that,
2: jive sucker. Red, red, red. That jollof is very spicy.
1: I don't think her organs are equipped for jollof spices. Her body is starting to malfunction
2: because of the jollof. Her body just got destroyed from the field. Now our mission is ruined. What are we gonna do? Um, are we in the right place? Oh, Lord, it's that done burr again. Lord, every time I go somewhere, it's that done burr.
1: Hey,
2: Tonya, what are you doing here? Hey, Atunde, what are you doing here? Well, I work here. This is my older job, like I told you. Who is this old Frederick Douglass looking nigga you're with? Frederick Douglass. Oh, look at here, Cookie Camp Day. I'll take off one of them dusty flip flops and beat the ash off you now. You got to find somebody to play with, boy.
3: Okay, enough, guys. Just stop. Just stop. Look, I just came here to interview Beyonce right now.
2: All this other stuff we can sort out later. Whoa, 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 hold on. Beyonce is in one of these studios in the other room? I did not know that. This is a blessing in disguise. She can help me get my green card. I have to go see her right away. <laughs> Uh, oh.
1: Oh,
2: uh, That's how I beat you in the zone right now. <laughs> Hold up, I smell something musty. Hey, 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 hey Beyonce, uh, my name is Shutunde, and uh, I need your help.
1: Oh, goody, it's Beyonce. I'm your biggest fan. I'm right even here? part of the beehive. I stalk you as much as I stalk Therese. Oh my god, it's a bear with wide hips. I've <laughs> never seen that before.
2: You're delicious for real, huh?
4: That's crazy.
2: <laughs> oh. Beyonce, I need you to F me, get a green card so I don't get deported. Forget about him, Beyonce. If I go to the restroom and take off my
1: thumb, Will you sign it for
4: me?
2: (laughs) Your crowds is bugging. You gotta bounce. (laughs) Yeah, security. I'm gonna tell you right now, Jay Z, or whatever your name is, you put hands on me. I'm gonna cut them big ass lips smooth off. Now you play with personal sweet water if you want to.
1: This is all Tariq's fault. Damn you to hell, Tyreek! Damn you to hell, Tyreek!
4: Family and fellow soldiers, I'm the professor, and this is the moment of truth. Seems that no good deed, or in this case, no misbegotten deed, goes unpunished. Kamala Harris's old alma mater, Howard University, has found itself under legal attack. Though this is not something that just came out of the blue, it's been long in the offing. Like a number of HBCUs, Howard University has a large number of non-black students who are there. Though one in particular clearly didn't come to get an education, he came for the sake of trying to get some attention. The guy goes by the name of Newman, and he had basically been in trouble from almost the day that he arrived there. And how did this guy even get into Howard? He got into Howard based on a university scholarship. That meant that he wasn't even paying his way for being there. He was a charity case. They were nice enough to let this guy into their school. They decided to have this guy in their classroom, and this is how he repays them. They gave this guy a free education, and he showed them absolutely no gratitude for it. In fact, he turned around and insulted them and spat in their faces. He should have been thanking them and kissing their feet full time, but the white supremacists, they don't do gratitude same way they don't do truth either. And, of course, when the school predictably bounced him, he decided to file a lawsuit. Now, here's the background on it. This Newman person pretty much was already starting problems from the second that he set foot on campus. As the accounts of his racist troll behavior began to make the rounds on campus, some of the students found out that he had a secret Twitter account. And among the postings was one of a slave with a scarred back. You guys probably know the one. And the picture, however, had the caption, but we don't know what he did before the picture was taken. When confronted on this, Newman tried to white-splain that, oh, I was just mocking people who doubt the accusations black people make about police violence. That's what it was. But of course, there's absolutely nobody who can testify that this guy has ever taken the side of black people when it comes to talking about police violence against black people. So obviously that would falls flat, but that wasn't the only such incident. In the run-up to the 2020 election, at the same time that former Howard student Kamala Harris was running as vice president, the university held a symposium in which they invited a black speaker to come address the students. And because it was the pandemic, it was being done online, so this Newman character decided that he would post some messages saying that he wanted them to talk about Whether black voters didn't question turning to government for solutions and reliably voting for the same party every election disincentivizes both parties from responding to the needs of the black communities. He said black communities plural. That tells you everything you need to know about his intelligence. Now, of course, this guy doesn't care at all how much money white voters get from the government. He also doesn't care how much the white community relies on the government (laughs) for basic things. Keep in mind, the reason we have a government decides that it is, is not because black people dreamt up the government programs, or decided who should run them, or how widespread they could be. That came from white power, not from black people. And this Newman person also didn't care that white people are the vast majority of government officials. That it's white people, not black people, who are the vast majority of recipients of welfare and food stamps and most government programs. That white people are the vast majority of government employees. That white people are the vast majority of recipients of government contracts. White corporations are the vast majority of those who receive subsidies. Not to mention lobbyists are almost all entirely white. And yet he says that it's black people who don't question turning to the government for solutions when he happens to be part of the very group who not only created the government, but also are the vast majority of its employees, its administrators, and the recipients of its largesse, who are involved in every single aspect of what the government does. He also never asks if maybe white evangelicals voting for the same party every election has disincentivized Democrats from trying to respond to their needs. Now, of course, when called out on this, He decided to use the white supremacist standard deflection, just the same old weak line that they always use. Why? I was just seeking to learn, not just law, but to learn the thoughts and experiences of people of color. Now, Howard University has an Afro-American Studies course. I'll bet this Newman troll never set foot in that particular class if he seriously wanted to LEARN, not just the law, but the thoughts and experiences of black people, he could have started there. So the lie that he was just asking questions, that one's dead on arrival. The classroom wasn't a place to learn for this bigot because his mind, such as it is, was nailed shut a long time ago. To him, the classroom was just a place for him to spout his anti-black racist gibberish directly in the faces of black people. That's what he went there for. He was just going to keep doing it until he inevitably got himself expelled, and that's exactly what happened. This was not a student. This was a walking internet comment section mindlessly repeating anti-black racist tropes. What on earth did this clown contribute to anything? How does his parroting empty racist talking points provoke thought? If anything, it encourages white racists like himself to continue being intellectually lazy by telling themselves the same old racist lies. It wasn't black people at Howard campus who needed to think, it was him. He didn't ask to be enlightened, he just began making accusations. The only one in this scenario who didn't wanna have their viewpoints challenged was him. Now on a side note, I will say that I'm glad to see that the students at Howard University did what the school itself should have done, and that's to check out this chump's paperwork. The school were the ones who should have found out whether or not this guy had some sort of secret online social media presence that they should know about. But instead, the school only being concerned about talking about themselves as, I'm dean of this and I'm professor of that and,
0: oh, I I
4: was classmates with Kamala Harris back in the day. Of course, too lazy to do their basic job. So it was the students who had to actually leave what was (coughs) supposed to be the adult's campus. The students were the ones who found his secret Twitter account. When it became obvious that this guy was up to no good, they immediately made it a point, we need to know everything there is to know about this guy. They didn't just take his word for anything, nor should they have, as we see. We've been through this process enough times to know better by now. From the now disgraced right-wing troll, James O'Keefe, who got himself kicked out of his own scam organization, Project Veritas. He ran around to Acorn facilities claiming to want help, quote-unquote, but it was all a scam. These white supremacists try to come in acting all innocent, but if you watch them for just a few seconds, they inevitably show their true colors because that's what they're there for. And if you dig even a little bit, you'll see what they're all about. It never fails. So there's absolutely nothing prejudicial about this. It's not prejudice at all. It's pattern recognition. Now, this creep's behavior was so racist and egregious that even false news, I mean uh, Fox News, was forced to have to admit to the stuff that he was doing. And the white supremacist trolls have been in a fury. They can't even defend this punk. So instead, they resort to the old white right wing tactic of embracing the indefensible, because that's what they do, and they can't deny that they did it. So they say that, well, he was just asking questions. And, well, shouldn't they be willing to defend their viewpoint? Keep in mind, these are the exact same white right-wing racists who can't even stand children's books in school. They're the ones who demand that any little thing that offends them or displeases them in the slightest, and everything offends them, needs to be completely banned. Let's burn all the books. Hell, burn all the libraries. They're the ones who demand that critical race theory be banned because it discusses the systemic and inherent racism in American law and society. Critical race theory is a legitimate field of academic endeavor that challenges the whitewashed fiction about this country's laws and the way that it shapes society. It is legitimate academic discourse, which is why the white supremacists hate it. It asks basic, pig-simple questions such as if white people could have what they have in America if they didn't depend on the government, such as with the Homestead Act, the GI Bill, dirt-cheap housing loans and business loans given only to white soldiers coming back from World War II, and a raft of farm subsidies and everything else. The kinds of truly thought-provoking discussions that white students never get to have at home, and have never <coughs> had in most schools, and certainly would never get from a mental midget like this Newman clown. And what was the response to this unquestionably academic area of study? The white right predictably went into phony hysterics. Their pinheads exploded as they demand that it be banned and that nobody discuss race in America at all. And meanwhile, they're defending this guy for talking about race in schools. So we see who the people are whose viewpoints are so weak, so feeble, so fragile, that they can't even bear for anyone to even look at them. If merely asking if the Constitution is a racist document means that you hate America, then what does it mean when you demand that there be no mention of black people in schools or in the society? This is the same white right who say that people go to school to learn a particular subject. They don't go there to be racially harassed or racially indoctrinated. The classroom should bring people together. We should be discussing the academic area of study, not fixating on race. But particularly those same people defend a racist troll who did nothing but use the classroom as a soapbox for his racial antagonism. But that's the white supremacist for you, always trying to have it both ways. In the end, as the school began to tire of tolerating this chump's racism, he sent out a series of disturbing emails to administrators and other students in which he claimed that he was going to explain his views. The people at Howard called this a manifesto, and they probably began to suspect that this creep would do exactly what other white supremacists do after they write a manifesto, and that's to go on a mass shoot. This guy certainly seems like the type From Dylan Roof to the Columbine Killers to Elliot Rodgers to Nicholas Cruz, it seems most of these mass shooters predictably have a racist online presence. They all seem to be white supremacists of some stripe or another. Practically no mass shooter's manifesto is complete without talking about how much they hate black people. Now the people of Howard most likely stopped this racist provocateur from carrying out some sort of violent attack. Hate speech inevitably leads to hate crime. This is what the Fox News and other propaganda mills don't talk about. Because this Newman character's racism reflects their own. After this windbag got himself bounced from Howard, he decided to file a lawsuit because there's nothing losers want more than attention. This was the end game for him from the very beginning. He knew it was going to end like this, so please don't think that there was never going to be a lawsuit. This guy's just trying to get some attention. He wants some quickie attention, and if it sounds familiar, it should. It's just like Ron DeSantis. It's just like Christopher Rufo, performative extremism, just anything to try to make that 15 minutes last a little bit longer. And of course, you got the online chorus of creeps who are saying that this guy did nothing wrong. And that's because they can't deny that this guy was a racist. They can't deny that the only reason that this guy even enrolled in Howard was so that he could be racially hostile and disruptive. The dean of Howard Law School had a Zoom meeting with Newman and the school's head of diversity recruiting. She advised Newman that maybe he ought to go to another school. She also called him out for racially harassing the students at Howard. The law dean had read Newman's manifesto, and she called it disturbing in every sense of the word. So she clearly felt that this raving bigot who only came there to be confrontational and disruptive might just decide to try something more hostile than just racist words. Again, we've seen this enough times to know. When these guys keep doing this mess over and over again, they're building to something. And just to show that these white supremacist trolls don't know the law because that would require literacy, they instead whine about, was it legal for the law dean to record the conversation? These are black people who teach and study law. So I'm pretty sure they're also aware of whether their jurisdiction is single party consent or not. But this is what these white supremacists are reduced to. They're (laughs) desperate for a win. These days, they'll be happy with just trolling That's all they can get. So for this lawsuit, clearly this is just a parasite looking for a payoff. He's done it just so he can get some attention because that's all he can hope for now. The white power has no principles other than situational ethics and moral relativism. White power doesn't care about gratitude. So after the white supremacists get a few cheap laughs from the violent antics of a George Zimmerman or a Kyle Rittenhouse or whoever it is, they just move on. That's why these punks always wind up back in the media broken, fighting with their former pals as they try to milk their 15 minutes of infamy for a few more pennies. But no matter what this Newman character may hope for, he's not going to become a cause celeb for the bad guys, because that's not how white supremacy works. White power gives trolls like this one some attention, but it has no intention of putting them up for life. They're only valuable to white power until the moment that the public moves on and the headlines inevitably change to something else. And the white supremacist tool who thought that they were so important get left deserted. This will be the same case. News suits like this get some headlines, but they don't get judgments in your favor. But I'm sure we'll see this chump on Tucker Carlson's Toilet Bowl broadcast before it's all over and they'll try to claim his racist Twitter profile was all just harmless jokes and that he was merely asking questions that people were overly sensitive about. This from the single most sensitive portion of American society, mind you. Clowns like this Newman person want to be heroes to the racists on the right. For them, it's not about winning the fight, because the L's have piled up, and while they don't like taking L's, we've made them have to get used to the idea of holding them for the first time ever. As they see it, if they can give us the middle finger, they'll settle for that. Well, considering this racist punk's behavior and how weak his lawsuit is, I think that's the only settlement he's going to be getting. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors Justin Marcus, Reasonable Dude, Stay Positive, Burkett Cock Crane, and Dondi Waddell. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you.